Welcome to Jack Theology. My name is Dr. Matt Murphy and with my friend, Dr. Kevin Young. It's good to be back with you again, man. Good to be here. Here we go. Um, yeah, it's been a couple weeks. Uh, we're diving in. Uh, Going to hit some hot topics, some jacked theology in our society. Uh, before we dive into that, if you could share this feed, like us, comment, subscribe, all those things. Smash that, that like button, as my kids would say. Uh, I, I think that, yeah, um, that would be good if you did that for us. And That's helpful. Get, get, get the word out to everybody who should be watching or needs to be watching. Yeah. How is uh, how is your uh, study going, Kevin? I know you're doing a a study that's relevant um, for a book that you're writing too. I think. Yeah, um, actually, the study just finished yesterday, so we spent oh, okay. six weeks. Yes, yeah, spent six weeks talking about ancient paths, um, essentially just spiritual formation um, practices that you can utilize either in addition to Bible study or in replacement to Bible study. And so it's kind of cool to see that, you know, for the first few hundred years of Christianity and of the church, there wasn't, there wasn't a Bible. There really wasn't a written standard as to what belief was or how to grow. And so they developed all these really cool practices in order to help kind of develop and grow faith. And so, yeah, I've been looking at that for the last six weeks in Bible study and working on a book. In fact, just before we went live, I got an email from my publisher saying, where are you? We haven't heard from you in a week. Are you alive? Is everything okay? <laughs> <laughs> we have a deadline. This thing is going to be out, you know, mid 2024. So, um, yeah, I haven't even begun and I'm already behind. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, also exciting. And so I'm looking forward to, uh, to reading that and being with you on that journey. So uh, happy writing. Yeah, thank um, you. Thank you so much. It, it will be, I think it's comparing anything to giving birth probably isn't fair when you're a man, but I'm going to be happy whenever, you know, this thing gets birthed and it's done <laughs> and the baby's here and I can move on to other things, but it yeah. is, it is exciting. It's a, it's a fun time. And I mean, this podcast is part of, I think the reason why, you know, I have the opportunity to do it. So I hope, I hope I represent as well. You will. You will. Um, yeah, this weekend in actually in the lectionary that I preached through is talking about Jesus being the way, the truth and the life, that passage. And so I'm going to use some of those ancient ways in which we connect with God as part of my sermon. So I think it's super relevant. Um, and I think people, people are connecting more and more with those ancient ways um, in our society. I, said, I think it provides depth to the people's spiritual journey, helps center people more and helps people. I think um, like right now, like it seems like the church has moved. We've talked a lot about this, especially evangelicalism has moved away from all of the ancient ways. Um, and it just becomes like really an emotive service um, trying to trying to get emotion out of you and our spirituality becomes that as well. So we, we see that emotion on a weekend. And so then during the week, we look for that emotion as well. And so if we're not spiritually high, we think we're not growing spiritually or connecting spiritually. And so that can be very discouraging for people um, and kind of lead through a cycle of or whatever. And then also too, you can be manipulated um, spiritually uh, to believe and practice the wrong things. And so that's why I think we're here. At least our podcast is titled Jack Theology, because I think 
a lot of that emotion can lead to the manipulation can lead to some jack theology and we get caught up in things. And so those ancient ways, those ancient spiritual things can center us better. Obviously, as in, with anything that's human built around humans, it can fail, but I think it's just a, a better way forward uh, for a lot of people. Um, yeah. There's so the, this, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, bad. yeah, you, you mentioned that reminded me that the whole kind of idea behind this idea, the idea behind the idea of these ancient ways kind of had a fire lit under me when I found in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, there's this um, this section, this verse, Jeremiah 6, 16, where he's saying, um, you know, to stop and look around, you know, you're at a crossroads and consider and I think the words, the verbiage that he uses is ancient godly paths and then walk in those paths. And then he steps back from that and says, but the people say, we don't want that. And I, I feel like that's kind of, you know, what, what you were talking around there is this idea that we have to stop and we have to pause and recognize that, that we may be on the wrong path, we may be headed in the wrong direction, or at least to take a self-assessment, you know, and consider, are we on an ancient path? Are we, are we on a godly path? Are we on a good path or not? And all too often, even when we do that, people will say, well, I don't want that path. I don't want the ancient path. I don't want the godly path. I don't want the best path. Uh, I'd rather stay on the path that I'm on, or we just don't stop and we don't pause, you know, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to self-reflect because I'm, I'm concerned that the implications of that might mean change, you know, and I think when we talk about the topic today, violence and peace, a a lot of Christians are more violent than they are peaceful. Um, You know, whether you're looking at guns, interaction with other people, our our wartime policies, our peacetime policies, we we tend to be, I think, a, a people who are more violent than the scriptures seem to indicate we should be. And... Why is that? I think that's because we're we're not considering the ancient path of peace that Christ asked us to walk on. And we're not willing to stop and say, is this really reflective of who we should be in our faith? You know, stop, pause, you're at a crossroads, look around, assess. But we as Christians say, no, no, I don't want that because the implications of what it might be to be a peacemaker or even a pacifist or it's just it's a bridge too far for me i like i like my guns i like my violence (laughs) i like my self-defense you know ability and so all of these things i think are are super super relevant to what we're facing today and and conversations that we're having in christendom yeah um there's a lot to it i think you you ironically or maybe you intentionally wore that hat today the I did intentionally wear this hat today. This is this is my America hat, and so um, I, I think for many of us, uh, we've been shaped more by American values than the ancient biblical values, the ancient paths in Scripture. Um, we look more to the ancient paths of our American founding and society, um, and so let's think about America. Uh, the way of America is: yeah, we have guns, we defend ourselves. If the government uh, messes with us too much, uh, we we are allowed to rebel. That's built into the fabric of who we are. Yeah, it's our origin uh, story. You know, and We're if pioneers. people get in the way, yeah, and people get in the way, that they they're doomed to death. Like Native Americans, um, 
you know, any, anybody that got in our way, the French, um, you know, we, we destroyed them, uh, manifest destiny, right? It was to, to move forward. So that's the ancient path of the American way. And so I think that's what we're at. We're at odds here with, and right. Jesus, we, we were talking, I, I couldn't help but think when Jesus said, repent and believe in, in the kingdom of God. Like he's literally saying, turn and walk a different path. <laughs> Repentance was like turning and walking a different way. So I think as Christians, we, we've got to repent of the American way, the American pass, and start walking in a new way. You know, I mean, to be devil's advocate and to be perfectly honest, even for me, it's super difficult for me to understand and see the difference between the American path and the Christian path, you know, the kingdom of man, the kingdom of God, because I've been <laughs> since birth baptized into this American way of thinking, this origin story that is so wrapped up also in this idea that we are a Christian nation, the things that we do, you know, the shining city on a hill that we're exceptional, uh, that, that we are the, the utopia or intended to be the utopia space for Christians to live in. It's very difficult, even, even for me with, with, a, with a doctorate and, and intentionally trying to unpack and separate those things. It's tough. It's so tough to, to separate out what is of Christ and what is of country. It is. Yeah. And I find myself at times getting excited over the American way, right? Like, getting excited over violence or when somebody gets gets revenge um you know i i I find myself like rooting for that um yeah it's so ingrained in us and i I can remember as a kid like i used to read these books and they're written by a christian author and uh and it was like a pastor spiritual leader who is also like a gunslinger you know uh violent person all in the name of like saving whatever and uh and i i used to always remember thinking as a kid i'd read the bible and i wouldn't see that in jesus but i like try to find it i would try to find it um and you mostly had to go to the old testament but even in the old testament it was at times difficult because it seemed like you know the most violent character was david and it seemed like every time he was violent god wasn't very happy with his violence (laughs) you know so even like with that it was kind of it was hard to find like where this American way, this American vision of violence, like fit with the scriptures. And I remember thinking that as a young, as a young boy, but I just kind of ignored it. Um, and, um, so I, I think, yeah, it's in the fabric of who you are. It's hard to, at times to separate it. Um, and, and then it gets, we get sucked into a lot of traps, um, and live in a very anti-Christian way. Yeah. It's, um, For me, what I have realized in myself is there's a lot of fear. Um, You know, there's a lot of fear in in what happens if I do practice the way of peace. Uh, And I hear this a lot from people, you know, conversations about self-defense and and what if, you know, what is our responsibility in in a situation, you know, like Ukraine and Russia. Uh, But what if what if we were the Ukrainians? You know, so I, I do think that there is there's an understanding that this is a complex topic. Um, and what I hope for me and for we as Christians can do is step back and say, 
uh, have an open mind and an open heart and an open hand with this and say, we may not be getting it right. Uh, you, you know, even though we may need to have conversations about um, self-defense, we may need to have conversations about, is there a time, is, is there ever a time where war is just? We also equally have to have conversations about gun control and what does it mean to be people who, um, I think, idolize, as you said, violence and that part of our origin story and part of who we are as a nation has been, I think, given to an idolization of the John Wayne gunslinger you know, mentality where even pastors, you know, are, are, uh, are, are, are written characters in, in stories that, that are proclaiming that and, and putting that forward. And so it's complex, but I think we, I hope, and I try to come from this idea that what if I'm wrong and where I'm standing and what I'm thinking, and then go from there into the conversation rather than coming into it saying, I'm right with where I am and where I'm thinking. So let me find things that prove my rightness. I just feel like on any conversation, but especially this conversation, that's that's the wrong place to start. That's good. Um, you know, a topic like this. I mean, you brought up great points. Like when it when does war become just, or when is it okay to actually defend yourself or your country? Um, I don't think we're going to solve all that today. And better better minds just tell us the answer right now give it to us better minds to discuss that than us but i think when i think about like when i'm overwhelmed with all this with stuff even just tasks i try to like take it down to the smallest thing and like what what do i do here so like the most recent incident let's just take what happened in new york city yesterday um with the gentleman that got choked out and died who was gone a little nuts um if we just look at that situation uh and break it down i think we could find some some principles and values to follow um as a christian in the way of christ and i think for me so i live in the new york city metro area and what this guy was described as happens every day happens all the time uh there's a lot of mentally ill folks that are on the subways that are trying to get you to give them money. I know this guy was a dan- he would dance on the subway. This is very common. This is a very common thing. And a lot of times these guys and gals uh, can say or do weird things that just and most humans and most every time I'm there, you just walk by, right? You listen to them and you, you might throw a few bucks in the in their hat or whatever they have trying to get money and you just keep moving they're harmless and also these subways are filled are filled with police officers uh and so i i'm thinking about the situation and it it just doesn't add up to me of how this could get to get to the place it got um why this gentleman marine felt he needed to choke this guy out if if they felt threatened why would they not just walk over to the nearest police officer to deal with the situation he was known to police so obviously there was some kind of relationship that the police could handle probably this um or just walk by why escalate the situation um so that's where my mind went and then i get on twitter you know and i social media that's always dangerous what what, 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 we need to stay away from social media and I see Christian talking heads saying this guy deserved it. And I'm thinking, really? Like, this guy deserved to die and get choked out because he was 
acting erratically and maybe saying some things that made people upset. Like under any circumstance, how is that biblical? How is that Christian? How, how would Jesus ever want you to, to do that? Like, I, I, I don't know. I just can't. I was just like jaw to the floor. But then I thought, well, this is America. This is what we do because, well, um, it just becomes a liberal or conservative fight over all of these violent things. So if some if violence happens and the conservatives say, well, violence was necessary here, we protect our, our right to have to, to, to participate in violence. And if you're a liberal, you're the one trying to protect those who were oppressed and and hurt. Yeah, and I, don't I, I think you that. go, go. Well, no, I think you made a great point there, um, especially about mental illness and, and the perspectives of all of that, you, you know, and I think it's so important for us, you know, to do what you're doing here. And that's kind of try to reframe the conversation. You, you know, I, I think that like, like you said, framing this as a situation where this guy, you know, deserved to die is, is really a bad framing of this situation that, that comes more from, I, I think, our, our desire to to hurt the other side of the argument than it does really in a basis of, of reality. And it seems as though, at least at this point, we don't have a lot of information. I'm given the benefit of the doubt and saying that this guy did not intend, this Marine did not intend for the man to die. Um, you know, I, I think that that doesn't absolve from blame here necessarily if you're going to use force or, exec, or, or excessive force uh, in a situation you're taking on the responsibility of, of the harm that comes as a result of that. So, I mean, all of those things notwithstanding, I think it's important for us to reframe this. And mental illness, I think, is to our broader discussion of violence in America is a great place to have a conversation around this in that um, I don't know the mental psychological history of the homeless man or the Marine, but I think that we can say that there is a lot of mental illness in America that is not diagnosed and may not be in a DSM-5, but is still a, a, a mentally incorrect perspective or mindset about violence. And I think especially in Christendom, we see this because what I say is I look at this situation and I say, knowing what we know now, if nothing changes in what we know about this situation, I, I think both of these individuals seem to have a mental instability. You know, that use, as you said, of a chokehold in a situation that is so common in New York as to as to be insignificant in a lot of ways is what, what you see here. Or, or, and I'm going to back out from this and say what, what I what I see in these situations a lot is a hero complex. Somebody who, who wants to be the hero has been wired with this narrative of, you know, being a hero, Americans are heroes. I want to be a hero. I want to save people. There's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but the moments and the ways in which we use that, I think are becoming increasingly, um, are becoming increasingly counterproductive. Uh, where this guy ends up may have wanting to be the hero or thinking he's the hero, but has been so Condition, and again, I'm I'm pulling out. I'm just speaking in in generalities. So oftentimes, individuals have been so conditioned with this mindset to be a hero, to defend themselves. You know that that there are that the world is filled with enemies rather than is filled with hurting people. That others become two dimensional 
targets or caricatures rather than three-dimensional complex individuals. And I think in that moment, what oftentimes happens is we caricature that other person. We turn them into a two-dimensional individual rather than three-dimensional. And then our um, our instabilities, our, our mental deficiencies, our weaknesses in, in character are magnified a lot. And so, yeah, if we want to have a mental health conversation in America, let's have a mental health conversation in America. But I don't think it's those who are diagnosed with a mental um, disability who are the only people in America who have quote unquote mental illness. I, I think all of us in a lot of ways have been baptized into a, a mentally incorrect viewpoint uh, of other human beings just on the basis of who we are as Americans and, and what has been indoctrinated into us. And I think that it's counterproductive and counter to what Jesus taught about humanity, about others. Uh, and so whenever I, I see Christians taking the position, like you said, you know, that, that this man kind of deserved to die, uh, that is so counter, uh, no matter what he did to, to any rogue justice to anything that Jesus taught. It just like, yo, we got to step back from this a little bit and, and say, okay, maybe I'm wrong in, in what I've been baptized into and my viewpoint on these things. And maybe I just need to reframe this a little bit and say, maybe, maybe, maybe there's a bigger mental instability problem just in our values as Americans that, that we have a difficult time seeing from inside the fishbowl. Yeah, I, I think it. I think you're you're exactly right. We are sucked into a culture of violence, and so we don't see the violence uh, right before our eyes. We don't see how we participate in that violence, that violent culture, um, and it's hard to step back um, and look at it. But I, I think we have to. I think that's why, like, I love you know where you're headed with your with your book and the whole idea of ancient spiritual practices and that sort of thing because if we if we're if we're participating in those things hopefully one of those things allows us to step back and look at ourselves uh the culture in which we were in does it am i in line obviously we're human it's going to be a long process a lifelong process to to unravel our you know our flesh and walking a different way. Like we're never going to get it perfect, but hopefully we have practice in our life where we can step back. And this to me seems like an obvious one. Like, like nowhere does Jesus say when you see somebody acting erratically and angry um, to choke them out. Right. And I agree with you. I don't think the Marine intended to kill this guy. Um, but still that he acted violently towards this guy. And we see it throughout our society. We, we uh, we see uh, recently two two men in their yards shooting young people because they felt threatened. You know, one was he showed up to the wrong house because he just had the wrong street, but the right house number, trying to find a friend, and the other was uh, a delivery person. Um, and it, it just like uh, it's in our culture. We we just always think somebody's out to get us and it's bad, and we have to shoot them. Um, right um, and defend our ground and stand our ground. Um, we need we needed a right to have guns and access access to to violent weapons. Um, and so, yeah, I would ask the question: What has made us a violent culture? 
to me, that's where I would start as a Christian. And what can I do as a Christian to walk some of that stuff back so it's it doesn't permeate the hearts and minds of the people that I interact with, that I have the ability to influence? What do you think, though? What I mean, what would be your answer to that question? What do you, what do you, what do you think is contributed to us being a, vi- a violent culture? Uh, I would start with, uh, well... I think it's our story, the story we tell um, about our, or, our origin story. Like we've, got to change, we've got to change the story we tell. Um, identify certain aspects of that story, but identify them for what they are, not like it's part of who we are, right? Um, and so part of that, I think... <laughs> You know, getting down to, you know, some of the nitty gritty is is that part of that story is the Second Amendment, um, the right to bear arms. To the, essentially, a lot of conservatives see that as the right to be violent, the right to act violently towards others. I, I deserve that right. Um, and so I think it's I think it's both. It's it's changing this, the narrative, changing the origin story, and then also then finding those specific things that um, that contribute to that. And obviously as a country, we're never going to probably change that second amendment, but we can do things to make it safer, make it less violent. And, um, and I don't, I don't get why Christians are so, so many Christians identify with the second amendment as if it's a biblical right. It, it, they, that's the way they act. That's the way they talk. And I, and I've even had moments where um, I've said to people, "That's not in the Bible," and they're like confused, right? They, they legit think the Second Amendment's in the Bible. Yeah. Well, Jesus uh, said, "Take your swords, pick up your swords, and take your swords." Yeah, okay. take up your sword and follow. So you me. have, so you have one <laughs> verse. You have one verse uh, out of thousands, uh, which speak against that idea. And just keep reading. Like, they don't stop at that verse. Just just keep reading and you're going to you're going to see you're going to see that that verse does not say what you think it says. But yeah, I just, yeah, well, I just, just five verse later, right? And 10 verses later, same I think chapter, uh, Peter takes his sword out and it violently acts against the Roman guard and Jesus tells him to put that thing away. So. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you told me to bring the sword, Jesus. Why well, didn't tell you to get it out? <laughs> <laughs> so to me that trumps any argument that jesus wants us to be violent with our swords so yeah <clears throat> at that point i'm just like you're 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 looking for justification for the way you want to live i, I mean if you're ignoring a hundred other verses and and passages about peace from not just the lips of Jesus, but from the Old Testament to the Ten Commandments to Paul, you're rejecting all of that for for literally one verse that is taken out of context from what you want it to mean. But if you're hanging your hat on that, and that's your argument whenever somebody says God or the Bible, you know, 2A isn't biblical. it shows me that you really have decided how you want to live and then you're trying to utilize the Bible as justification for that. And that's, that's a hard issue. And I, that's what I see in a lot of these conversations. 
um, isn't only that it's complex or that people are in different places, but that a, a majority of us have a stronghold that we are utilizing or trying to utilize Christianity, trying to utilize Jesus or scripture in order to justify uh, that stronghold in our life. And it just, it's tough. It's tough. It's this one from so many others. First of all, it causes harm, you know, serious harm uh, for this stronghold to be in place. And um, it's, it, this is one of the most difficult ones that I see that people have let go of. Uh, which to me puts it in the category, not just of a stronghold, but puts it in the category of it being, of it being an idol. Complete idol, um, complete hypocrisy. Um, so most conservative Christians, um, evangelicals, uh, are pro-life, right? Most Christians across our world. You're going to go there, huh? Well, yeah, because you're going to go there, right? I mean, I guess you have to. It's a complete hypocrisy because the number one that it's shown across all data, just Google it. The number one way in which children die is through guns. And that just changed a few years ago. I mean, we just crossed that line a few years ago. The problem's getting worse. So how could you hold one thing where I'm trying to save babies, but I'm not trying to save children once they're alive? Yeah, what like they mean is I'm I'm my life. I'm pro my life, you know, because yeah. of my because of my fear. Whenever <laughs> once they get out of the womb, they're on their own. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm I'm pro my being able to live. Your kid can f and fend for themselves. <laughs> but, yeah. But I'm going to keep my gun just in case. Well, I, I find it fascinating, but also it's reality. What, these these families, especially the most recent one in Nashville, like reading parents uh, talking about gun gun control and gun violence, probably were big Second Amendment people because this was a very conservative Christian school, and now they're anti that. They want gun control, gun reform. Um, because they 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 lost their child, of course, and so we wait until our child is gone before we want to fight for uh, changes in, in in guns. Yeah, uh, it feels like it feels like this Pharaoh Egypt Exodus situation where it's like until every family loses the firstborn child, mm. you know, we we will not be allowed. It's we're, we're still going to be in bondage. You know, how many yeah. times did Moses go to Pharaoh? Ten times, ten, ten plagues. And he kept saying, no, no. You know, and they endured a shitload of stuff in Egypt. If you're reading that story, what they went through in those ten plagues. Yeah. But the idol of bondage was so much more powerful to them and needful to them. They would endure anything. And, and what it took was every single family l- losing losing somebody before everybody was like this is enough it has to change and it just it feels like that here in the u.s that there is so much bondage and until everybody until everybody loses a kid in their own family we're not going to be able to find a path forward and it's sad because christians this this country is still predominantly made up of people who identify as followers of Jesus Christ, and it is 
abhorrent, deplorable, um, that it could, in theory, take everybody losing somebody before we say enough is enough. It just, it, it, it blows my mind, man. Wow. Yeah. That's good. That, the connection to Pharaoh. I never thought about it that way, but I, I, you're right on. I mean, that's what it's going to take. You know, when the, the governor of Texas loses a grandkid to gun violence, you know, what's he going to do? It probably changes tune uh, and on and on and on. I think. Yeah. And I, I that, that's one of those things where if you don't have processes in place to step back and look at your own reality, to see your own hypocrisies, like, I, I don't know what to tell you. I think that's the way of, of Jesus is to like, to step back and look at these things, to listen to him. Um, you know, he, he calls it out all the time. Jesus is very gentle when he calls out hypocrisy for most people. Um, and, and so I think Jesus wants to do that. And I think he wants us to make us aware. And to me, this is an obvious, there's some obvious ones here. Um, yeah, pro-life's great. Let's be, be about life. Like, um, I mean, that's a topic we could debate about abortion and all that, but I, I'm all for the principle of, of life. I love life, right? I love to see people have life. Um, so why not take that to guns? Why can't, if you're pro-life, take it all the way through to its logical end? And it, it doesn't make sense. Um, and it makes actually Christians look like idiots. I'll say it out, out loud. It, it makes us look dumb. It makes us look um, like we're incoherent. We don't, we're just it makes us look like all we care about is political power. Well, yeah, because the world reads our Bible and knows our Jesus and says, who the hell are you following? Because it's not this guy. So no. it is. I, I mean, the, the outside world looks at us on this topic. It's like you're a freaking free idiot. And <laughs> how can they trust anything else that we say uh, about faith and belief if we can get peace so wrong yeah I think Stanley Howard Ross he says something like uh, this I'm, I'm not quoting it word for word but basically if if the Christians in the world would stop killing each other then the wars in the world would cease <laughs> something like that um, that's that's good yeah so wow it's like if we just got this one thing that you know about peace, about laying down our lives for the sake of others, about turning the other cheek, about, um, you know, loving our enemy. Uh, a, lo a lot of our, our world conflict would, would end if Christians would get that. I know a lot of our conflict here in the States would end. Um, but, but we've been sucked into different ways of living, different paths, different uh, priorities that we walk on. Um, and we use, we use Christianity more as a genie in the bottle to try to get what we want, um, to control, to manipulate than actually serving and following Jesus. Um, one of the most controversial things I've done at this church that I'm in now is change our mission statement to, to center it around Jesus. Um, you know, it was very, con it's very controversial in some ways to like center your world around Jesus, but that's what Jesus calls us to do <laughs> within the church. I, I yeah. get up in there too. It's very controversial. Yeah. Uh, aren't we following God, Matt? Yeah. He was revealed in Jesus. Jesus is God. What? 
people are confused by that. Um, so, you know, it's violence is not the way of Jesus. It's the way of the world. It's the way the world establishes their kingdoms. It's not the way Jesus established his. In fact, he did the opposite. He entered into violence. He allowed, if anyone, like, I love the passage, like, um, escapes me where it's found now, but if Jesus wanted to call down a legion of angels to, to protect him on the cross, he could have done that. Like if Jesus, if anyone wanted to show us that self-defense and, and fighting for your life in that way was acceptable, Jesus could have done it. And he refused to. So to me, that should show, should tell us all that we need to know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Christians talk a lot about persecution and how they're persecuted, but nobody, nobody is willing to be the martyr. You know, I mean, I hear that all the time. You want me to die for my faith? <laughs> Why don't you read back to me what Jesus said? Just, yeah. just, just read the parts in red. You know? Yeah, that'll that'll be enough. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, I don't I, think. I mean, I'm not I'm not asking you necessarily to stand there while somebody has a gun in your face and do nothing. But I'm also I'm also saying you really should consider the idea that Jesus may be asking you to stand there and do nothing if somebody has a gun in your face. Like, if you've never considered whether or not this is what Jesus means, then you've never really encountered Jesus. Yep. Um, yeah, Jesus, uh, I, I don't think when I, especially I'm reading through First Peter now and in like um, for a study we're doing at church and it's clear Peter is calling the church to like a different way of living that will actually create conflict. It, it already has because I, some scholars think Peter is writing from uh, from prison. So clearly, and you know, martyrdoms happening because of Christians. I mean, Christians are being martyred because of their Christian way, and and so Peter is talking to them to keep living this way. But he he's clear that he doesn't want you to 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 be super disruptive. Like don't go out on the street corner and tell everybody how awful, you know, they are, their way of living is, is, you know, just, he's like, just live the way of Christ in front of people. That's enough. Like, so I don't think, especially the early apostles were telling Christians, like go out and say, look at me, kill me. You know, it was just live this way. <laughs> and if you live this way long enough, uh, stuff's, you know, stuff's going to happen. Um, and obviously, at certain points, you're, you know, the, the rubber is going to meet the road. You're going to come in, in the confrontation with stuff. You're going to have to make a stand. But I don't think, um, at least as I read the scriptures, I don't, I don't think Jesus wants us to go looking f for a fight. You know, that's a very American way. I mean, Martin Luther King made it popular and, and others like uh, get in good trouble, you know. Um, that's a very Amer American way of dealing with oppression. And, and, and we, as a white man, I can't probably make too many comments on that but it's a very that's a very american way i think of of looking at dealing with oppression go go get in a fight for good um but i'm not sure i necessarily see that in in the text um and then to your point on the how the world sees this funny i saw uh bill bill mayor the guy on hbo yeah. mar uh he was interviewing a priest out in front of uh the vatican and he was just pointing out to him how how beautiful and big and and wealthy you know the Vatican is, and he's like, doesn't this like um, go against your faith and the way of Jesus? And the priest sat there and thought about it for a minute. He goes, 
Yep, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Mar had to be like, wait, Mar, what, he was, what, he was wasn't confused. expecting that answer. No. Then he, goes, <laughs> he goes, does that like rub you the wrong way? Does it like, does it like hurt you? Like, he's like, yeah, actually, I think about it a lot. It rubs me the wrong way. And Mar was so confused. Like, <laughs> he's like, well, why do you do this? Why are you here? And then the priest was like, um, if I could just make some small change with my life through this, to the system, then it's worth it. So, um, I, I thought that was cool. I was like, you know, I, I think we're in this huge system as Christians. We're in this, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of Christianity has gotten jacked up over the years, which also is the beauty of the gospel. A little other tangent is, is Jesus still accepts us. Like he still loves us. He still cares for us, even though like we as humans can screw it all up. You got to be think though. On the other side, he's got to be standing there thinking, "What the hell?" <laughs> when we when we cross that border to the other side, I just I just imagine Jesus going to be sitting, standing there with his arms folded, looking at you, shaking his head, and going, "What the hell were you <laughs> thinking, Kevin?" Yeah. Like, what you know? WTF? Come on. What was... <laughs> I, I mean that's kind of the that's kind of the image that I go through every decision in life, just thinking, all right, what what is Jesus going? What's his reaction probably going to be? You know, when I show up yeah. there. Um, <laughs> but he's going to be what the hell? But he's going to be like, hey, come lift. You want to come do some bench with me? You know, you like some... he's going. I know, I know, but that part of me is like that's. That's the reason why I feel like sometimes Christians are so messed up on this. I, I mean, you're right in that, you know, there, there is forgiveness for all these things. And I sometimes feel as though, and this is me kind of talking out of my past, I sometimes feel as though there's this, oh, I can do whatever I want because it's going to be okay in the end. And I, I think I forget that, yes, thankfully God accepts us even even despite those boneheaded things that, that, that we do wrong or, or, or decide badly but also you know your kingdom come your will be done on earth it is it is in heaven there's this idea that the kingdom of god is supposed to be present here and now not just for me but also for everybody not just christians but but for everybody yeah and um i feel like if, personally i feel as though my perception is 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 christ's greatest condemnation for me isn't going to be uh, the things necessarily maybe that I got wrong or, or the sins that I couldn't overcome, um, but it's going to be the, the times in which I was not making his kingdom come in reality for those who are not yet in the kingdom, you know, for those who are oppressed, for those who are, who are marginalized, who, who are not receiving justice, who don't have the privilege, the privilege that I have. And it's why I become increasingly passionate in advocacy uh, for things that are not traditionally American conservative Christian in mindset. Because I, I just, I feel like I lived in fundamentalism for, you know, the better part of four decades. Um, and I think I was wrong on a lot of things. And I think Jesus is going to still, still be shaking his head over that. And I'm not trying to yeah, I'm not trying to win back, you know, street cred with JC over over how I live. I, I, I know that when I walk in, I'm going to be good. Uh, but I think sometimes I might have leveraged that too much in order to just kind of do what I want here because there it wasn't going to matter in the end anyway. 
Yeah. Um, but your point is well taken. I, I know I, I rabbit trailed on that, but your point is well taken. Um, there is, there is forgiveness even, even in our, in our differences on these things. And I could be wrong. No, I mean, I'm sure we've been wrong about a lot today, but it's, uh, speak for yourself. <laughs> I, I think it's important that we're, we're all on a journey and the journey is, it's very human to be on. It's, 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 I guess the people that, that say we're not on a journey that like, this is what it is. And I, it just seems to be, I mean, it's the conservative way, right? This is what it is. This is what it has to be. Um, I, I think we constantly need to be evaluating. That's why I like going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, like the ancient ways of spirituality, those ancient things, like, do you have those in your life so that you're continually checking your heart? You're bringing those things before Jesus and his way and trying to step back a bit um, to evaluate your soul, to repent, to submit those things to Jesus? Or do you think you just arrived and you're just going to, you know, read your Bible and pray every day and, and just do confirmation bias on what you already think? Um, that is really just mostly influenced by our culture than anything. Um, I, I think there's two choices here. And so we may go as we go and journey that we find that some of the things we think now weren't right, you know, and that's okay. Um, and on and on and on. But yeah, I think, you know, I, at least I trust in a savior that, that, that will forgive us, that will, the judgment seat will, you know, we'll, we'll be repenting of a lot and then we'll be accepted into his heavenly kingdom. Yeah. Um, you know, I just I, I I've continued as you've talked to just kind of go back to this idea of pro-life and, and what does pro-life really, truly mean? And I feel like when when I was a very staunch proponent of of 2A and, and guns and um, very much against any sort of control, I don't know that I had fully wrestled with the idea of what does pro-life really mean? When I say that, when I think that, um, how do I define life and how do I define the value of life? And does it, does it match up truly to what, to what I see in scripture and, and what I see Jesus living out? And I think that that's, uh, that's a really timely and telling question if we're able to truly say to ourselves, does does what we mean by life and the value of that, not just for me, but for others, um, comport to what is in scripture. And that's, that's an opportunity, I think, to reframe a lot of these arguments in a way where Christians, you know, don't have to necessarily say, I'm going to, I'm going to vote against 2A or I'm going to vote for gun control, but it allows me to kind of step back and say, are, are my values, in sync with with Christ's values. And then from there, what do I do if they're not? And maybe they are. But if they're not, what, what do I do from there? And, you know, being willing to be wrong and being willing to have conversations with other people. I mean, sit across the table, literally, with uh, people who disagree, you know, with you on any topic, but on this topic, especially violence, sit across the table from you know, some, some Jewish individuals from some Muslim individuals sit across the table from 
from oppressed groups. Um, if you're able to and, and you know somebody or know somebody who's connected to somebody who's who's been in a violent shooting, mass shooting situation, if, you know, I sit across the table from these people and have conversations and, and don't just talk about gun control, you know, or the Second Amendment, but talk about life and, and talk about pro-life and talk about what it means to, to value other human beings. Um, I think that's the first step not to changing our views, but I think that's the first step to ensuring that we truly understand the ramifications of our beliefs and our actions is to have real human faces, not what the media or the talking heads show us the opposite side thinks or believes, but real human faces um, whom we are in relationship with. And as we become more tribal, we become less connected to other people outside of our tribe. Our tribe becomes smaller and smaller and more and more of an echo chamber. And I think it leads to situations like what happened on the subway in New York this week, um, where we all have split off into our tribes. And if we were in that situation, I don't know that we would act that we would act differently. Um, but we certainly aren't going to act differently if the only people whom we are connected to are inside of our tribe that agrees with us. Yeah, right on. I I think that's a good practical step. I think on the flip side of that, even sitting down and listening to the rednecks, you know, the gun toting folks as well. Um, Every time I'm on the phone with my family. Yeah, I was going to say our two families. uh, I'm hoping aren't watching at the moment. but I think hell hath no fury like uh, yeah. my family whenever I say anything about guns. But I, like I'm not a full. I'll, I'll put it out there. I'm not a full. Get rid of the Second Amendment that you can't have a gun. Um, no, and I, I yeah I, I'm still I agree. Amer- I'm, I'm not American. But I think, <laughs> I'm not turning in my American card just yet. I think that like. There, there needs to be a conversation. There needs to be adjustment. But uh, what I wanted to say is your point is, is valuable. When we hear different sides, different views, like me and my brother have completely different views on, on the Second Amendment and gun rights. But when we talk about it over a couple beers, we can actually come to an understanding of each other's point of view and like see both sides and then see where we could come to an agreement on something that might work for us. Right. And so like, if we would do that holistically, like you said, we we've now gone so tribal, so in our corners that no longer are we even willing to have a conversation at the table to like see both sides to see values on both sides and find a middle ground where we can like move towards less gun violence. Cause I think both sides agree. Like we want less gun violence. Um, we just, one side thinks we just need more guns to solve the problem and, and the other side, less guns, but and yeah, I, that's what, oh. that's our, I mean, I totally agree. If we could simply have a conversation, um, then, then we would, we would be able to find a path forward on this. Maybe not the best path forward, but I don't think we know what the best path forward is, no matter where you are on this, but I think we could find a better path forward. I don't, I don't think anybody in their right mind uh, thinks that we're in a good place on, on this. I, I think everybody legitimately thinks we we can somehow or other reduce the number of deaths related to violence related to guns we just have different opinions on how that's done and we should expect our leaders we should hold our leaders accountable 
to sitting down like you and your brother did and finding a way forward, forcing it. Um, and I've often thought we'll never get there with our leaders. We're just too far apart. Um, there's no one willing to do that. But maybe, maybe to your point, Matt, is if we're willing to do that on our own, if we begin doing that as individuals, then we will become passionate enough about our leaders doing that, that, that we will begin to force that. We may not be able to force legislation right now, but if we can force conversations with each other rather than at each other, I think it's our only path forward. Mm. Agreed. But we got to start doing it ourselves. I've got to start doing it myself. Yeah. More than just the phone call with the family, probably. Yeah. There's, there's, my, there's my admission for the day. <laughs> good stuff well thanks for uh, watching another episode of Jack Theology until next time peace stay, stay jacked <laughs>
<laughs> rather than it's just I'm really bad at where I am. Uh, but either way, that is what it is. So I started this week and he sends, you know, the training regimen, which is, um, it's like eight pages, single space. Uh, and, and my training regimen, literally since I lost all of my weight uh, for what, five, six years has been like five lifts essentially. Uh, and so this is like, <laughs> I'm like uh, half of these, I have to look up and be like, does yeah, this no, piece are. of equipment <laughs> actually exist in my gym? Yeah. Uh, how do I use this piece of equipment? And so, I mean, I've been lifting since high school, but yeah, I feel like I feel like a newbie. And the nutrition, it's like eat exactly this, you know. And I don't. I, I mean, I started counting the carbs of what was in there. I had to stop counting the carbs because I'm like, this is just freaking me out. How many carbs are, are in here? So giving up control has been has been tough of both the lifts and the eating. But I will say. Um, there's it's steak and chicken and rice as anybody who's ever made jokes about you know bodybuilders know that's 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 what the diet essentially is um and gummy bears gummy, no, I have, there, there gummy is no bears. there is no gummy bears in, in my uh, <laughs> in my eating schedule maybe that's maybe that's not, you haven't arrived yet <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's next week um one one can hope no, I, i'm just i'm just waiting for him to put the hammer down and take all those carbs away because i know that i know that day is coming where there's like nothing to eat and right yeah. now i'm like this is a lot to eat i've never eaten this many meals in a day uh, yeah so you know it's amazing though the lifts i i can feel it every single day because i guess i'm working areas harder than i've than i've ever worked so i can feel it in the scale i've dropped like five pounds in in the week um I don't know if I'm supposed to be dropping weight or not, but I have a check-in in two days where I have to I have to send pictures every single week, like of all sides to him. Um, so we'll see, but I'm, I'm on the journey and uh, it's absolutely terrifying to not be in control, which is probably the place I need to be. Yeah. I'm excited for you. I can't wait. Yeah. I will either get jacked or back up to 290 pounds with 50% body fat. So one or the other is going to happen and we'll see which direction it goes. Uh, you're going to get jacked. <laughs> I have faith. <laughs> it may take three years. <laughs> <laughs> I told someone, they were like, you're, you're going to do a show. And I'm like, yes, but I waited long enough to do the show where now I'm in the cane wheelchair hospital bed division <laughs> so i waited long enough where my competition hopefully is uh much easier than you know these 20 year olds who who don't have to do any eating correction or or lifting in order to look jacked yeah. so yeah yeah guys like us we, we work harder for it but it also feels pretty good when you get there yeah <laughs> all right see you next week man all right.